0: This is Meditations for Misfits. I'm Fred Gruy. For the last 50 years or so, I've given uh, the better part of my life to the study of religions, denominations, sacred texts. Uh, I'm fascinated by them. And I've come to the conclusion that two of the primary functions of religions, the great religions of the world, are to give us an idea or a context for the experience of death, which freaks so many of us out. What's death all about and what happens and why and what happens afterwards? That's one of the primary functions of religion. And the other is equally important, is how to live now between this moment and the time of my death. How can I live meaningfully? How can I live an important uh, good life? in the time that I have. So these two primary functions drive a lot of religion. And what I have come to the conclusion of, I look for in my religion, I'm looking for my religion to help me become a wiser, more compassionate human being. That's really what I look for and want. And another word I would throw in there, equally important, is the word equanimity which sounds a little obscure maybe to you, but uh, equanimity, equanimity, as I'm using it, really means a, a peaceful acceptance, holding myself together in the midst of the chaos that surrounds me, when, when everybody around me is going all chicken little, like the sky is falling, the sky is falling, it's we're freaking, that I can hold my composure, and that I would wait and not react, but wait and behave in a way that's congruent, With the things that are important to me Now there's a wonderful Zen story Well there's many wonderful Zen stories But one of my favorites uh, Helps illustrate this idea of equanimity Is about a Zen teacher living at a monastery Who was very very famous for his equanimity And he had a number of students that were enthralled by this man And one day they decided, the students decided, they wanted to see if there were limits to their teacher's equanimity, his peaceful acceptance of things. And uh, the teacher, they knew, it was his habit to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, troop off into the kitchen, make a cup of hot tea, head back to his room, and meditate first thing in the morning. So the students decided they would get up at 4.30 in the morning and wait out in the dark hallway. And as their teacher was coming back with his hot cup of tea, they were hiding behind a corner, and they jumped out and yelled, Boo! And the teacher didn't bat an eyelash, just continued purposefully walking slowly into his room, set his hot cup of tea down on a table, came back out into the hallway where the students were wide-eyed, looking at their master, and the master went, Ah! What I love about that story is it illustrates that there is a a gap between the stimulus that the teacher received and his response. He didn't react blindly out of fear or anxiety. He held it together and demonstrated to his students that this gap between the stimulus and our response is very important and it's an opportunity to express whatever wisdom and and compassion we've learned over the course of our life. Now, uh, the next thing that comes up is what do we mean by wisdom? Wisdom is one of those words that's incredibly hard to define or to describe. In fact, when I think of the word wisdom, it reminds me of the uh, 1964 Supreme court uh, case that came before Justice Potter Stewart it was about hardcore pornography and what defines hardcore pornography and Justice Stewart says I I don't know but I know it when I see it (laughs) I think wisdom is somewhat like that it's hard to describe but I, I know it when I see it I think compassionate wisdom eludes our defining because it's it's so difficult to codify. I mean, what is a compassionate, wise choice in one situation could be very oppressive in another. And so I, I think wisdom and compassion, two of the things that I aspire to, uh, are difficult to describe. But I do think a couple of things about them. One is I think... They come to us, and this is going to be kind of tough, but they come to us through what we suffer. The road to wisdom and compassion certainly goes through the valley of suffering. One of my favorite quotes is from the Greek playwright Aeschylus, who more than 2,800 years ago uh, created the genre tragedy with his play Agamemnon and in that play Aeschylus writes these incredibly beautiful and insightful words he says he who learns must suffer and even in our sleep pain that cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart and even in our own despite against our will comes wisdom to us by the awful grace of God. What Aeschylus is saying is that uh, the course in becoming a wise human being involves suffering, and none of us would sign up for that course if we had a choice. But it comes to us through what we suffer, wisdom and compassion. The word compassion actually means to suffer with. It's a compound word, com meaning with and Passio to suffer, so compassion is the, our ability to suffer with others and and so these are very connected with the idea of what we suffer can teach us now it's not guaranteed sometimes suffering just makes us mean and bitter, but the hope is, as I said in the last podcast, the reorientation that we experience through a suffering time in our life is that we will become wiser and more compassionate human beings and here's the other thing I would say about wisdom and compassion the folks that I view or see that I think are wise and compassionate there's four things I've noticed about their lives that I'm trying to work into my own and I'll leave you with these uh, for today so these are four qualities I see in wise and compassionate people that I want uh to grow in my own life and the first is I would say they uh, have made friends with solitude they're comfortable in their own skin being alone reflecting on their lives it was Socrates who said that the unreflective uh, life is not worth living and uh, so that's important The next is I notice they are uh, people who live a life of service to others they're very other-centered. They also have an ability to see through complexity. They uh, don't take simple answers. They just don't uh, echo sound bites they've heard from someplace. But they see many sides to complex issues and weigh those sides carefully. And finally, they are humble. This is a, an aspect of wisdom that I think Khalil Gabron in his book The Prophet brings out beautifully when he says, If the teacher is indeed wise, she does not bid you the enter enter the house of her wisdom, but rather leads you to the threshold of your own mind. Thanks again for allowing me to join you for these few moments on your journey today. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is fred at As a closing quote for today's podcast, I'd share with you some words of wisdom from Joan Chittister, a Benedictine nun, who writes these wonderful words. We are all on a quest for something. The distinguishing questions are two. For what am I seeking? And who am I as a result of the search?